Well, there was quite a bit of optimism in the air on Friday as we career towards the end of the month and the end of the quarter and hopefully a bit closer to the end of COVID restrictions. It's a shorter week too this week, of course. But uncertainty remains. Like, what prompted the block trades by Goldman Sachs in the US on Friday? And is there more to come? And what about the blocked trade with attempts to free the ever-given failing on Sunday and now the slow, laborious process of removing the containers from the ship as 320 other vessels wait to get through? It's Monday, the 29th of March, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So a quick reminder of how last week finished up. The US dollar finished down ever so slightly, not very much really, but it was up almost 1% over the week. The Aussie was the big riser on Friday, up three quarters of 1% to 76.4 US cents, but it started the week about one cent higher than that. The Nasdaq, S&P 500 and Dow were all up well over 1%, but all of that happened in the last hour or so of trade, and that carried through to Asia, not to the same extent for the ASX 200, which was up about half a percent on on Friday. And in the midst of all of that, block trades in the US. More on that in a moment. And Treasury yields kicked up another six basis points for 10 years, uh, closing at 1.674%. They, of course, reached 1.75% in the last couple of weeks. So watch that with interest. Australian bond yields very close to the US now for 10 years, falling three basis points on Friday to 1.65%. And most of Europe has uh, seen three or four basis point rises. And oil was up, no surprise, 4.2% for Brent crude uh, as the ever given uh, stay stuck in the sandy uh, banks of the Suez Canal and we've just heard uh, that they are actually now going to start offloading it because it didn't rise at high tide yesterday. Here's David DeGarris, Director Economics for Markets at NAB, working out of Melbourne right now. His London flat lies empty, like much of London, I suspect. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you one thing, Dave. Morning, uh, Phil. Morning. <laughs> it's not just uh, oil that's going up in price. Shipping containers, you know there was a big shortage yes. of them. Because China was doing so well at exporting they couldn't yes. get the uh, containers back to Hong Kong fast enough. So uh, so container rentals had gone up fourfold yes. before this happened. Uh, yes. Now, we know that, I mean, this is going to take a while now. There's going to be a lot of – it's not just oil. There's going to be a lot of flow-on effects, I would have thought, if this, this blockage in the Suez continues. Well, already, Phil, I think, you know, you saw um, uh, evidence, a bit of evidence on Friday, not just oil, um, you know, obviously taking longer to, to ship oil um to 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 european markets but also um you know cof- uh, commodities like um you know metals um coffee you know from east africa and asia shipping those to europe so the whole you know supply chain issue is 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 front and center and just adds a little bit more to the inflation story doesn't it yeah and whatever people are buying off alibaba that's going to be yeah of course <laughs> there's going to be a lot of that. 20 20,000 containers and i'd I, like to yeah. i'd like to have something in one of those containers to check the tracking report right now <laughs> well, it's not just that it's all the other ones that are stuck behind it as well of course so look i am calling this episode blocked course. trade and block trades see what i did there because, uh, like <laughs> of course, we had all that action by that, you know, those big sell offs by Goldman Sachs on Friday, selling off $10.5 billion. I'm not sure if we actually know why, whether it was just a massive correction. There's some media reporting mm. that there was a liquidity problem somewhere in the chain. Other reports saying, look, it's related to Chinese ADRs because, uh, the, you know, growing yes. tensions in that region, at least. You know, the, of course, we had uh, Chinese planes flying into uh, Taiwan airspace as well on Friday, and yes. Joe Biden's speech, you know, suggesting really those tensions are not going to go away. So maybe there's a bit of that as well. No, that's right. And, and uh, remember too, Phil, that um, 
we are into uh, month, quarter, and Japanese year end, yes. and the and the market and the market, as we've discussed on several occasions, has been liquidity constrained. So, you get some sizable trades going through the market. It can move market prices quite a lot more than hitherto um, what was the case. So, you know, those sorts of things, you know, can and do happen inevitably. And in this market, you just get some of those exaggerated price movements, but didn't seem to disrail the, uh, derail the market completely no. for the day. As you said, that that last hour of power uh, when the S&P, what, um, made up 50 of the 65 points that it made for the day. So there were a couple of other reasons, I think, too, Phil, um, one was that, uh, you know, the Fed made the announcement that um, uh, they're giving back the power of banks to banks to, um, you know, declare dividends and share buybacks. You know, they made that announcement late on Thursday after the market market was closed. You know, Joe Biden's expected to make his big infrastructure sta- uh, statement this week on the $3 trillion uh, stimulus plan, German IFO and UK retail sales numbers were better than expected. So, mm. you know, all of that sort of is happening in the background. So maybe, uh, you know, the market just, um, well, here's an opportunity to get back into the market right now. And even the, the rise in bond yields on Friday, you know, late in the session didn't seem to derail the market either. No. So, yeah, big rises and big falls. So Viacom CBS, uh, I guess, you know, TV related, maybe that's why we're going to spend less time at home, but uh, it fell close mm. to 30%, but falling down below $45. It, it, it was up $100 at the start of the week. That is quite a fall, Goodness. isn't it, for one Goodness, week? Yeah. So it really does show the volatility that's in the market. So is that, do you, uh, because it, I mean, you said a month end as well, I mean, is this just going to be a really volatile week this week, do you think? Um, it can be, you know, with uh, there, are, there are all these stories going around the market perpetually year to year about, you know, uh, rebalancing um, f- flows out of Japan and into Japan and so forth. Uh, and, of course, we are into m- month and quarter end, so, uh, you know, where mandate sits you know, sit relative to market positioning and the like. So mm. there is always that, that potential, right? And, um, of course, it's going to be very quiet over Easter then. Yeah. And it was really, though, you know, even though we had all that volatility, I mean, if we were looking for direction, it was it was risk on, wasn't it? If we look at... Uh, it was definitely, yes. Bond yeah. yields were up, shares obviously up as well. Uh, and, yes, commodities uh, up yeah. a bit, yeah. Uh, Joe Biden, if, of course. If, 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 if for supply side reasons. <laughs> well, maybe part of that. But also, I mean, Joe Biden, the day before, of course, it yes. says 200 million Americans are going to be vaccinated in the first 100 days. Uh, yes, absolutely. The Wall Street Journal is going to hear about his infrastructure package as well this week. So, uh, mm, you know, so mm. there is good news sitting behind it all. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that that announcement is going to come on, on uh, they're saying overnight that might come on uh, Wednesday when he's in Pittsburgh. Right, good. All right, now look, we saw a 7.1% fall in personal income in February in the United States, a 1% decline in consumption. The income was up, of course, in January because of the stimulus checks landing yes. in uh, everyone's bank balances. And then, uh, of course, one month on, we see it go down. Uh, consumption is down as well. I mean, that just actually shows, you know, there's no long-lasting impacts of these stam- stimulus payments. Not so far, anyway. No, we did see a big revision to the retail sales numbers, didn't we, mm. in, um, in that previous report. Um, we do know, too, Phil, that um, the $600 wasn't fully expended. So there is still cash there. Yeah. Um, so, so, 
you, we can, you, can, you can place your guesses now for what the sort of figures we're going to see for retail sales for March when they, as those $1,400 checks arrive. And I think that's what the market's really interested, uh, interested in. Um, the other takeaway for me, Phil, was from the report was uh, inflation remains very much in the, um, in the background as far as the you know, consumer price index numbers are concerned. So the core PCE deflator came in in year-on-year year terms one-tenth lower than expected at 1.4, so rising just 0.1%. Now, that picture can change, mm. but for now, that provided a little bit of uh, support to the market generally. I but think, look at the expectations. I mean, the break-evens uh, you oh, know, rose course. up four basis points on Friday, and then the University of Michigan uh, Consumer Sentiment Survey, uh, mm. the five- to ten-year inflation expectation up to 2.8%, which is the highest level it's been since 2015. Yes, yes. So uh, is, is that a good or a bad thing, I think, you know, the Fed would say, you know, they always talk about anchoring inflationary expectations. So um, that they would take some comfort from the fact that even though inflation is still low at the present present time, and we know base effects will push it up in the next few months, that uh, expectations still remain above 2% about where the Fed wants it to be. And German manufacturing still motoring ahead. At least one thing is going right in Germany. Their manufacturing still motoring ahead, not just motors, of course. The We had the the IFO business survey, the, the business climate index mm. rose from 92.7 points last month to 96.6 points in March, which is its highest level since June 2019. So that's good. Not so good for services, but manufacturing doing really well. As, as we were saying on Friday, you know, it's still a bit of a powerhouse. It, it is a powerhouse and, uh, you know, the surveys were reporting, you know, better export conditions. So that's the U.S. recovery. It's, I guess it's the, it's, it's the China story, uh, but also, as you say, the services side. So we saw that also in the, um, in the Eurozone PMI indexes earlier in the week. So it presents the same sort of story. It's, a, it's an interesting backdrop, isn't it, that if you just looked at those figures alone, you'd say the German economy is very much back on the rails, but then you read the reports about infections, about um, mm. you know the dithering over whether to go into that hard lockdown over Easter and over the weekend. Um, Chancellor Merkel's uh, chief of staff, Helga Braun, so saying that you know worried about you know that they might be entering the most dangerous phase of the pandemic. So you know, talking about nighttime curfews and, and, and so forth from here. So you've got that situation and uh, and France uh, the situation there. I think they're mulling potential for, for uh, you know, a wider than Paris lockdown there or more severe lockdowns amid um, pressure on um, ICU units mm. uh, in the country. So they're far from out of the pandemic. And I just, I guess it highlights the fact that the vaccination rollout has been less than spectacular. Yeah, my way of diplomatic, diplomatically putting it. Anyway, uh, and for the service sector, they will have been hanging on for the tourism sector, hoping that of there will course, be a summer this year, and it's looking yes. less and less likely that there's going to be tourists coming from the UK at least, or even uh, from you know various European countries. They're all going to be stuck at home, so none of that. Well, you'd good. expect you'd expect so, wouldn't you? That uh, the Brits will be thinking twice about going to Europe this year until there's much more clarity about the infection numbers. And they will already um, be uh, queuing up to get into Cornwall, I tell you. The, um, <laughs> they already are. They already are. <laughs> so it's interesting, isn't well, it? Know, on the service, one who is, and it's not me <laughs> yet. <laughs> well, anyway. you'll, be, you'll be back there soon. So uh, it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, the services that are doing well, the exceptions, supermarkets, florists, 
and bike shops uh, that came out yeah. of those, those iPhone numbers. Lots of Germans cycling home, wobbling along, groceries in the backpack, a bunch of daffodils in their hand. Uh, I wonder if we would have picked that before this pandemic, as they, they would be the service sectors that survived. Look, it's uh, almost the uh, end of the month, isn't it? Uh, so we uh, we see the JobKeeper payments stopping, one, over one million people. Um, so we'll, we'll be looking at the job vacancies in Australia this week. Uh, we get those numbers tomorrow. That's not going to help us figure out what the uh, the sort of the sectoral imbalance is, though. Those people who come off job keepers are they going to have the skills to, to, to suit the jobs that are available? No, it's very it's very much the top line story. But even if it is top line, Phil, um, and and um, you know, it may not be the sorts of jobs that where we know that the people have skills and want to work. So. Inevitably, will will be some dislocation after job job keeper is ending. But you know, you could take a little bit of comfort that um, there are some jobs out there um, available. If if you know, indeed, if that's what the job vacancies suggest, and that's what other uh, leading indicators of labour demand have been suggesting, you know, such as from the NAB survey, uh, job advertisements, and the like. So, even though this particular indicator. Look, it's not particularly market sensitive over time, but I think all the labour market indicators will be hot property mm. from now over the next you know month to six weeks. Yeah. So and this one too. Yeah. Well, we get the Aussie weekly payrolls this week as well, of course, and then on Friday yes. the uh, US March payrolls uh, as well. Uh, and the only other thing really of significance, I guess, uh, China's PMIs this week, as well as all the end of year stuff that you've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the middle of the week, we get the PMIs out of China. They're both expected to improve uh, after softer, softer readings in um, in 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 February. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, as we said, as said earlier, Phil, the one to watch out for are um, uh, President Biden's uh, infrastructure plus package yeah. announcement midweek. I think which will be which will be very big. And of course, uh, maybe the ever given is uh, ever stuck. So um, certainly that situation is going to remain for the time being. Like, yeah, last few hours it sounds like they're not getting that out in a hurry. All right. Well, it's a it's a short week, but an interesting one. Good to talk, Dave. Catch you again very soon. Will do, Phil. Cheers. And that's how things are this Monday morning. That's it for now. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. Tapas joining me then. See you then. <laughs> 